The Rangers scored in bunches Wednesday, scoring five times in the third period to win for the fifth time in six games. Are the sizzling blue shirts right back in the playoff race again? We break down the hot streak with the post-Rangers beat writer, Larry Brooks. We're also joined by a player that scored 70 goals in a season with Wayne Gretzky and who brought Mark Messier to the Big Apple, Bernie Nichols. All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats with the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation. Welcome to Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast with the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Rate the show five stars and write a nice review. The post-Rangers beat writer, Hall of Fame beat writer, Lowry Brooks, joins the show in his weekly spot. We're also joined by a former Ranger and the man that brought Mark Messier to the blue shirts, Bernie Nichols. But now, here's your host of Up in the Blue Seats. He wore number 10 for the Rangers, but his hair was flowing like he was number one despite his mediocre bowling skills, Ron Duguay. The Rangers, since the All-Star break, continue their winning ways. They're 8-3. and three. Won five of the last six games, six of the last eight. Last night, they did it with the moms at the game. You can see a different Ranger team. A lot of fun. But this week, tomorrow, they play Carolina, possibly the game of the year. They're only six points out. They're trailing the Islanders and the Blue Jackets and Hurricanes. I think Strom said it best after the game. They want to make it as difficult as possible on management. They want to keep this team together. They want to make the playoffs. So I believe that we're going to see the best of the New York Rangers. The way they're playing right now, a lot of it had to do with them playing solid defense, and we know they can score goals. And Igor and Nett, it's a good combination. Ron, does this change their approach going to the trade deadline? They really shifted from a team that was out of it, maybe becoming sellers, maybe they trade Kreider. Now, if you're if you're Rangers management, are you kind of becoming buyers and trying to get another piece to get you over the hump and get you into that final spot? Well, that's the thing. I think no one knows. Um, we, we talked to Larry Brooks, and he's not sure either. He believes that they have a plan set regardless of where they end up at the trade deadline. If they're going to trade, it needs to be the right player. They don't want to. They don't want to take a. Uh, you know, because they've made progress. They've made a lot of progress. And going into the next year, they want to continue with that progress. So if you're to trade a Kreider, it has to be a player that just kind of fits in and there's still still that same value to the team. So you would stand pat. Your Rangers GM today, you stand pat and build for the future. Because remember, they do still have to hop over other teams. It's not like they're just trailing those three teams. There's still teams ahead of them that aren't in the playoffs that they're going to have to hump over to. So it could just be play it out how it is and build for next year and maybe make a move in the offseason. Absolutely. That's what I would do. I would. I like Kreider. I like. Uh, I like uh, uh, the way Strom's playing because you're needing a second line centerman, and uh, so I keep it the way it is. Because more than anything else, I love the character of this team. They enjoy playing for each other. You leave it the way it is, and then in the summertime, you may have to unload a few contracts. I don't want to name names, but there's a couple of heavy contracts that they don't need to keep. Name them. Name them. <laughs> Call them out, Ron. This is the Up in the Blue Seats podcast. We've heard about Farrah Fawcett. We've heard about Cher. We've heard about everyone. Who should go? Well, you got to look at the guys that are carrying heavy contracts. There's three of them. One, Lundquist, Stahl, and Smith. Those three. You, you heard that, guys? You heard that? Ron <laughs> said, you're out of here. 
what what can they do? Henrik's a topic every week. We talked about his best friend last week that I met at the bar uh, with the Borat. I like very much Sweden, Coors Light. And we talked about him. Can they just – how does that contract situation work? Because remember, he's got a year left. Do they just eat that money? Do they buy it out? Uh, does he retire? Does he go off into the sunset and go to Sweden? I don't know how cold – is it cold in Sweden now? It's always cold there, right? Well, I think Larry um, put it together nicely in one of his articles. He said if you buy him out and then you have to sign uh, Georgiev, it's gonna, he's going to cost you a couple million dollars. So you're not really ahead that far. You possibly would – the difference is only like a million dollars. So if you keep Lundqvist, you keep Igor, it only costs you really a million dollars. So do you give Lundqvist another opportunity to just send him off in a respectful way versus uh, buying him out at the end of the season? I'm not sure that's the right thing. If you can get enough for Georgiev, if you can get a player that comes into this lineup that's better than what they have and at any position, then you have to consider that trade. Rangers beat writer for the New York Post, Larry Brooks, now joins us. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooks C. Larry, uh, watching the game last night in Chicago, very impressive after uh, the Rangers um, had a poor performance against Boston after coming off a road trip that we felt like was going to carry over into the Boston game, but it wasn't there. And so last night, not sure what to expect, but after two periods, they came alive. And um, I kind of look at that game wondering what happened in that third period. But more than anything else, what made it fun, the fact that they, more than they won, is that the moms were there. I know you've been on road trips in the past where the, the teams have brought the dads and the moms. What have you experienced from seeing the players being around the parents? It's always a, a, a different dynamic, a little bit different atmosphere when parents or, or siblings are around. Um, they're, they're a little uh, more unguarded. The uh, There's a little lighter feeling to the proceedings. I remember actually the first time the Rangers did this. A number of years ago, the first trip was to Chicago, in fact, and Chicago and Pittsburgh. And they wound up winning in Chicago. It was a, it was a, it was a tough game. They were shorthanded almost all night. They won the game. And then after the game, Tom Rennie was the coach, and Tom was doing his post-game press conference in the outside uh, the locker room, in the Carter just outside the locker room. And there were, the, there were the line of dads who were in the Carter, and they were all chanting, let's go Rangers, let's go Rangers. And, and, it, and, it, and it does. It brings, a, it brings a different dynamic to the entire trip. I'm not so sure about this whole thing, and I know the Rangers aren't the only team that, that did it this week. I'm not sure about this whole thing you know, on the eve of the trade deadline. I mean, is it going to be Chris and Mrs. Kreider, you know, going to go, going to uh, Colorado for whomever? But, um, you know, and, and a few teams are doing it this week. So I think it's, that's a little bit odd, but it, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a, uh, a great annual tradition that most teams in the NHL now have. The Rangers, I think, were one of the first. I think they started in 2008, 2009. Yeah, well, it, it takes you – to the lighter side, and I think it's really honoring the parents because of what the guys have been through. A lot of it had to do with the parents, so it's an opportunity to say thank to the parents. You know, for Kreider, I'm thinking about what he's been like under this, what you would think it would be pressure for Chris Kreider to perform under the fact that he may be getting traded, it's his last year of his contract, and knowing the way he was in the past, sometimes he gets in his own way, in his mind, but right now, this is bringing the best out of him. Uh, absolutely. It's been very impressive the way he's responded. I thought last year, Kevin Hayes did a terrific job handling um, this, a similar situation. 
until two weeks or so before the deadline. And I thought that then it really got to Kevin Hayes. I thought his last week or two as a Ranger, understandably, um, his play really dipped. And I, I thought his head was, was you know, I thought he was all over the place. Here, Chris has, has been just, you know, the exemplary example of, of what a professional goes out and does regardless of the situation around him. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that, that this is on his mind. Uh, he's not a robot, but he has channeled it all into a positive direction. He's, he's been their best player for weeks. <laughs> Honestly, he has. He is demonstrating why he is not only so sought after on the market right now, but why he is so valuable to the Rangers and why I understand paying somebody $7 million, and, and, and that's an approximate number, around $7 million for six or seven years is, is a major investment, especially when that player is going to be 29 in a couple of months. I get it. It's a major investment for the Rangers. It's a major decision, but they are going to create a giant hole in their top six if they do not sign him. That's, and, and that's just reality. You know, Maybe they make a great deal and in three or four years, they're in a better spot than they would have been if they signed Chris. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. But I can sure tell you that they're not going to be in a better spot next year or the year after if they trade Kreider. And and I think that's, you know, those are those are some of the things I think that have to go into this decision by Jeff Gordon, by John Davidson, by ultimately the owner who would sign off on, on a major deal like this. It's it's a tough one. And we don't know exactly what the offers are coming in. We know the Rangers want a premium. Not you know, and and just because one team got a premium for player A, it doesn't mean that the next team is getting the same kind of a premium for player B. They can ask for it, but if 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 the dance partner's not there it's not happening so there's a lot there's a lot going on between now and monday yeah and i think strom said it well at the end of the game last night he said we want to make this as difficult on management and coaching as possible we want to continue playing as a team we enjoy playing together we want to continue winning and the fact is we haven't given up on making the playoffs so it would be so deflating to pull Kreider out of this lineup that's been competing so hard. When you look at where they're at right now, they're six points out of a playoff spot behind Carolina, a couple other teams, but Carolina, they're playing them tomorrow night. So there's still the belief that possibly they can make the playoffs. And, um, and you know, pulling Kreider out, it doesn't just hurt you this year. I think it hurts you going into next year. So it doesn't make any sense. I think we're all anxious to see what's going to happen. Uh, besides that, in the news this week is they've uh, made a trade with Carolina. They got young Julian Gauthier. Uh, watched him play last night. What are your thoughts on him? There's an upside to his game. Um, you know, the Rangers, I, I think, in this in in this deal, traded uh, a, a right defenseman, Joey Keane, who, whom they liked, but you know, from a position of strength, they are, they their organization is deep on defense. And we don't know we don't know exactly what they're going to be when they get here, but there are the Rangers have a number of young defensemen lined up, and so that that's an excess for them. They have very few forwards coming they have uh and and more of their forwards are are talent oriented and skill um finesse oriented rather than uh, uh the type of package uh, other than having the type of package that Gautier brings where he's a big guy you know he plays physical he, he goes to the net he's got some speed so it was an area where i think the rangers use their access you know their asset wisely and shored up an area where where there's an a deficiency through the organization and we come uh, exacerbated if Kreider is gone that's for sure so players when they get traded to New York one of the things they say is wow it's the New York Rangers 
Do you believe that players really want to come to New York, play at Madison Square Garden, and wear that Ranger jersey? I think I think they do. I, I also think they want to get paid in order to come to New York and wear the Ranger jersey. Um, I think I think listen. I the way the Rangers treat their players, and I'm not saying they're unique. Uh, there may be other teams that, that treat their players just as well, but I know what kind of a first-class operation they run with their players. And I know there's something special about playing for an original six team. I know there's something special about playing at the Garden. So the entire package is um, is pretty irresistible. And so moving forward, your general thoughts on they play Carolina tomorrow. They're six points out. What, what what do you think with the way they're playing right now? What do you think is going to happen? Tomorrow night? It'll be a tough game. Well, you know what's interesting about tomorrow is Carolina is, is the team. Probably Lundquist has played the best against in his career. He has had some spectacular games in Carolina, but I don't think they're going to play him tomorrow night. I mean, I, I just don't. So I would imagine Shesterkin plays tomorrow. They've got a back-to-back. I guess Shesterkin goes one and Georgiev goes in the other. They play Saturday at home. And you know something, the sta- the the possibilities are there for them. They they honestly are. They're they they're chasing Carolina. They're chasing the Islanders. The Islanders uh, haven't played well for months, and they're chasing uh, Columbus and Toronto. So those are the t- somehow they're four points behind Toronto. If if anyone at the start of the season had said coming into the trade deadline, the New York Rangers would be within four points of the Maple Leafs. You you know you you would have sent them off somewhere. Um, so I think this is doable for them. All of a sudden, it's doable, but they have to continue to win. They have, you know, they have to win. Say, you know, they have to come up with seven out of ten points for the next couple of weeks. But I don't, honestly, I don't think that this shot at a playoff spot is going to change their thinking going into the deadline. I, I honestly don't. I think they're looking at next year and the year after that and the year after that. And um, they don't want to rip this team apart. But if they can't sign Kreider, they are not going to simply keep him till the end of the year and hope that they can sign him um, after the season ends. So it's um, they may not want to try trade Kreider at this point, but they may not be able to get a contract done either. It's it's not only their decision at this point. It's it's the player's decision. So there's a, again, there's there's a lot to process between now and Monday. Well, Larry, I have to ask you with what you said about a minute ago, and I'm sure all the listeners would want to know why do you believe that they would not play Lundqvist tomorrow if he's been that hot against Carolina? He hasn't played in in, in two weeks. <laughs> he just hasn't played. I I don't think you can. I, I I think you get into a stretch where saying Lundqvist isn't can't play becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because he hasn't played. I, I just can't imagine the Rangers after not using him for two weeks saying, okay, you're in tomorrow night. This is the biggest game of the year for us. We're six points out. We're playing the team we need to pass and we're going to play someone who hasn't played in two weeks. I, I, I just don't see it. Good answer. That's what I thought, but uh, need to hear it from you. We'll uh, stay tuned. We'll talk next week this time. Thanks, Ronnie. My guest today Played 18 years in the NHL, over 1,000 games. In two of those years, he played with the New York Rangers. Welcome in, Bernie Nichols. Who's Bernie now? What are you doing? What's your life like? Pretty quiet. You know, uh, for the most part, I I don't do anything. I do a lot of hunting in the fall. I play a lot of golf. I uh, do a lot of charity hockey events. Uh, I was just in New York uh, a couple weeks ago, did uh, a couple games for the Rangers. I like to do. Um, I actually have my own uh, charity event coming up here next week in, in Las Vegas. Uh, Ron's coming. It's a, 
nonprofits for a foundation called The Unforgettables. It, it helps uh, provide funding for families who have lost a child and can't afford a proper burial. So I lost a child at one year old, and uh, when this group asked me if I'd want to help out with it, I said I would. And so uh, we put together my first uh, charity event. So looking forward to it. You're also doing allsportsmarket.com, Bernie, and we talked a couple of years ago, and, you know, I like to gamble a little bit. I like to bet on sports, and you know you can bet on teams and how well a team does or how bad a team does will affect their stock uh, in all sports market. And you've been with this a couple of years. You're part owner. Take us into all sport market, what you do and how you guys are doing, what you're up to there. We got to clear something up. It's not betting. We're we're trying. To, we're the alternative of betting. It's investing. So the difference, obviously, is that if you make a bet on the New York Rangers tonight or you know the New York Yankees when they're playing, that 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 will expire. Once that game is played, it expires. This is just like the stock market. You invest in a team, it's performance-based. Right now, we're, we're trying to uh, get a league started uh, that we're going to uh, work with. So once we have a league and, and we show how the instrument works and it can create uh, money for, for teams, then we will come back around and, and meet with the NHL, meet with the NBA and, and all the big four and, and show how we can make them money through investing in their sports teams. So uh, the concept's brilliant. Like you said, uh, to me, and Ron played, like uh, Ron came to L.A. a little later, but I remember uh, being in L.A. and we maybe had 10,000 fans. But, you know, you can be the worst team in the league or the best team in the league. Fans are fans. They love their team. They support their team. And to feel like they own a piece of their team, every fan wants to do that. So to me, the concept's brilliant. Like I said, it's the alternative of gambling. Uh, I tell people this too. Uh, there's nothing worse, and, and Ron's maybe been there too, but there's nothing worse than going to meet your bookie on a, a Tuesday afternoon with an envelope full of $100 bills. And, and I've been there, and like I said, this way is a little bit better. Great concept. Well, the worst part is if, if you don't have the money to the bookie, then you get your kneecaps <laughs> messing and you got a black eye patch on. <laughs> so, Bernie, you've had an impressive uh, career, but i got to go back to when I look at your numbers back when you were a junior hockey player and the fact that you were – you got drafted in the fourth round. Doesn't make sense to me. You had 63 goals in 65 games when you played in Kingston. Why is it that you got drafted in the fourth round and not the first first round? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think with, with everybody, you, you see sometimes people get missed. You know, if you watch my junior career, my whole career as far as I go, it just seems like I got better all the time. And, and if you wanted an offensive player, uh, I've always been really skilled that way. And, uh, so it'd be hard to miss that, I'm thinking, if you're a scout. But, you know, there's been some pretty good goal scorers or athletes that have been missed in the first round and turned out pretty good. So maybe it's, maybe it's skating. I'm not sure. But, you know, they always say when he gets there, uh, he knows what to do with it. So I don't know. Maybe they said bad scouts the Kings did back in the day. I would have to say bad scouting because when you scored 63 goals in 65 games, that's impressive. So anyways, uh, so you end up in L.A., and you and I end up playing together after I, I left uh, New York. And uh, so we got to be part of a magical time with Gretzky going to L.A. You got to play with him on, on the line, and you end up scoring 70 goals. What do you remember most about that season playing with Gretzky, scoring 70 goals? You know, I think the most was just having the opportunity to play with Wayne. I've always said great players bring the best out of everybody. And Gretz was no different. And, you know, I get to hang. You know, the cool thing, probably 
the most I remember about Wayne is I hung with him every day, like every day. When we went on the road, Ron, I don't know if you remember, but Greg said, Burn, let's go. Like we went out to dinner every night. Uh, I tell people this day, I, I still laugh, but and you remember, Ron, just up the street from our practice rink was McDonald's. Gretz would say, Burn, let's go to, uh, for, uh, for lunch, right? I go, yeah, sure. And it was McDonald's. Gretz loved McDonald's. And I can't stand McDonald's this day, but I mean, Gretz says, let's go, let's go, you know? But I mean, it, it was so much fun being able to play with Wayne and hang with Wayne every day. It was just, it was just a magical year, obviously. For me, it was, it was just a spectacular time for me. Ron, I've never related more to Wayne Gretzky in my life than a <laughs> nice 20-piece nice nugget, a cheeseburger, and some fries. <laughs> Well, if you if you get to know Gretz, he was just a really he was a regular guy. Love hanging with the guys. So Bernie, what was it about you and him feeling comfortable with you? I don't know. I, I really don't. I think you know. I think with with players like that, like because I, I I tell people like I remember Gretz would come up and I don't know if he'd do anything with you, Ron, or something. But like before the game or something, he'd come up just privately, you know, just give you a little tap on the knee pads and say, "Hey, we need you tonight." And in your mind, you're going, "Wow." Are you kidding me right now? Like, so it's like you—you you always want to play well for everybody, your whole team and stuff. But when it's Gretz, it's just different, right? Here's the greatest player in the game relying on you, or he's looking for you to to, to give it your all tonight. And to me, I don't know. It just—we clicked as as teammates, as as friends. You know, like I said, you just you just want to do your best for for guys like that, and I did it. Bertie, did you feel the pressure of playing with Gret Wayne Gretzky? Like every game you're playing on the same line as Wayne Gretzky, did you feel the pressure of having to play with him to perform at that level with him? Because watching you, because I know you, you're very laid back, very calm, and you scored 70 goals, so you had to feel relaxed playing with Gretz or not. I did, but like I didn't play in the same line with Wayne, right? We were both centermen. But we get out there a lot. I played the power play with them, killed penalties with them. And the great thing about Gretz is what I tell people, because I play with Luke and Dave, but Gretz, he takes first guy. doesn't matter if left wing, right wing, center. He's staying. So I always like to play in front of Gretz because then uh, Davey's going to block first and then, then Gretz is on, you know, so I, I'd stay on a little longer. But, no, I, I didn't know if I, I did. I feel the pressure playing with them. I love playing with them. You know, you're, you know you're going to get the puck. It was just fun for me. It, you know, and I think some people have a tough time playing with them, and, and maybe that. They're, they're too nervous with them. They need to get him the puck. They need to do this, that. For me, it was I loved it. Uh, any chance I got to be with them, it was great. Do you ever, you know, you know, walk around like with a little strut, a little Conor McGregor strut, that you had more goals than the great one one year? I mean, that's got to be something that you uh, take with you even now today. I mean, that's a cool fact that a lot of people, unless they look deep into the stats, don't realize. They're like, oh, wow, Bernie Nichols had 16 more goals uh, than Wayne Gretzky in 1984. I never think of it that way because, you know, without him, I would never have done that. Anytime you've done something better than Gretzky, even for one day, it's uh, – it's pretty rewarding. So, Bernie, in the news is Ovechkin trying to catch Gretzky. Gretzky, 894 goals. Ovechkin, 698. Your thoughts, do you think Ovechkin having – because I know you're paying attention, you're watching him play. Do you think he can catch Gretz? He needs another 196 goals to go. Yeah. Uh, wow. Like, he's he's done everything he has to do. Like, he – He's not slowing down. That's the thing. Uh, you thought by now, because I know, you know, when Gretz got a little older, when he came to the Kings and, and so forth and so on, he wasn't even close to 50 anymore. Like, this guy just, he's scoring 50 every year. Like, it's us scoring 20. It's like, it's easy for him. So, I don't know if he's ever going to slow down. But, so, he needs, uh, he's still pretty young. So, 
I think he's going to give her a go. It's going to be close. Yeah, because if you look at Gretzky, his last four years, he averaged 20 goals a season. Still getting points, but 20 goals. Now, it's a different game. How would you compare Gretz's time compared to today's uh, goal scorer like Ovechkin? Because the game's different, there's no uh, clutching and grabbing. So there's more space for Ovechkin now. No, absolutely, Ron. And I think more power play, more five on three, four on threes. Like, we never had that. You know, we played, like, we may get one or two five-on-threes a year, let alone a game. Like, they get that now. Uh, and like you said, you can go in front of that. Back in the day with, with us, you go in front of that, you get the hell beat out of you. And, and now they can't even touch you. So the, the, uh, there's more room for them. But the goalies are better, in my opinion, now than they, they were back then. But sticks are better, too. Guys, you know, the sticks they use are unbelievable. The equipment they use, I'd like, <laughs> I don't know what Ovechkin would do if he's playing against guys like uh, Darren Pang and Mike Vernon and these little goalies that are like five foot five, you know what I mean? Like back when we played, Ron, there was a lot of net to shoot at at times. And nowadays, boy, these goalies, they cover it up. But I've never seen a guy, you know, obviously Brett Hall, to me, was just as good a goal scorer as a Betskin. But uh, that kid shoots it hard and he gets it done. And you root for him, right? Like he, he loves the game. I know Gretz is, well, thinking he's rooting for him. Like he's just a super guy. He loves the game and so you can't help but root for him. Yeah, Bernie, this being a Rangers show, I have to ask you about your experience uh, coming to New York, uh, your thoughts of having been here two years. What was it like for you to play at Madison Square Garden wearing a Ranger jersey after leaving L.A.? One thing I tell everybody, and anybody that's played with Gretz, like the most devastating part about the trade was it wasn't necessarily leaving L.A., it was leaving uh, playing with Gretz. You know what I mean? You got to play with him for a year and a half, and I couldn't imagine what it'd be like to play with him for 10 years, five years. But, I mean, to go to New York, and, and I still remember, Ron, I still remember, and you, you know how when you come out of the dressing room, when you come out in the ice, going and playing in Madison Square Garden, there isn't a better place in the world to play than MSG. I'm telling you, it's the, the fans there, they're loyal fans. They, they love the game. They're knowledgeable. They, they welcome me with open arms, which it, it was great. So... I, I love my time in New York. I really did. I would love to play there longer. I was, once again, you know, I was devastated to get traded when it was Mark Messi. I, would, I, I couldn't imagine playing with Mark in, in New York. It would have been amazing. When you look back at your career, uh, anything you do different? Any regrets about anything? No, probably not. Like, I, I tell people, like, we never trained back in the day, Ron, right? Like, you go to training camp uh, to get in shape and, and this and that. Nowadays, the kids are in such good shape. Uh, they work harder on, on their craft. We, we never did that. And, and you know what? If I could do it over again, that's that's probably what I'd do. I do. I would probably work harder on that. Like everything just came natural to us, I think. And but nowadays you see guys out there working harder, working working on their game and uh, working on their craft. And we we just we were never you know you know that that never came to us back then. We we just never did that. So I, I never worked out until I got to Chicago in '94. First time they had like a weight room and stuff. And that's probably the only thing I do. Like to me, it was just a game, and, and I loved it. And, and I got in trouble sometimes by coaches or stuff. I'm out in the ice. I'm laughing. I'm talking to players. I'm like a kid. Like, I, I just loved it. So maybe that would be one thing if I could do it again. And Because like I said, when I got to, New to Chicago, I, Chris Chelio, uh, we were working out in the sauna, doing push-ups, sit-ups, working out. And, and I and I loved it. But I was pretty much done by then. I don't want to elaborate on that in a sauna. But uh... <laughs> you've told the story about a sauna before. You know saunas very well. You were introduced to a sauna with the New York Rangers. <laughs> Bernie, so, Bernie, assuming you came to camp in shape now, today, in today's game, Bernie Nichols, in his prime in today's game, 
Could you score 30, 40, 50 goals? I think I could score 30 for sure in my prime. Absolutely. You know, one thing about it, like even these kids today, as much as I think they're bigger, stronger, faster, they don't have the hockey sense that we may have had. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't. And, and, and you can't teach that, right? You're either gifted with that or not. You know, scoring goals is tough. You know, like I said, you, you can't teach that. Either. You got the gift to score or you don't. And uh, some guys do it different ways. Some guys score a lot of goals because they got a hard shot. But you, you see guys around the net, places to be, you know, get in the quiet areas. A lot of guys don't do that. I, I felt I had that. And I think in today's game, as, as much as how open it is, you know, stand in front of that, you don't get touched. The power play still moving around. I think in my prime, absolutely, I'd score 30 goals. Not a problem. And 40. You can follow Bernie Nichols on Twitter, Ron, at Bernie Nichols with two L's, nine, and all sportsmarket.com. Last one before you go, Bernie, and appreciate the time today. Hollywood Doogie. How, what was he like? We know page six, Ron. We know the New York Studio 54 days. What was Hollywood Doogie like? He was, he was awesome. Uh, you know, and I'm not just saying that because he, he's there beside you, but I, it was awesome for me. I, I'm glad Ron came. You know, everybody kind of has a reputation, New York. One thing about Ron, and I'll never forget, he kind of uh, went off the wagon there and he came to L.A. and it was it was funny. You know, he was clean. He's carrying a jug of water around with him, didn't drink. We go back to New York. We didn't see Ron for three days. <laughs> we, uh, he missed practice. We're practicing in Harlem and we can't find Ron. You know what I mean? Like, but that's Duke, and, and I'll tell you right now, I love the guy. I, I really do. Uh, he's awesome. It was great playing with him. You know, like I say, everybody has their reputation. And, you know, you got the Gretzies, you got Lemieux. Ron may have done, not done what they've, they've done, but he's every bit as popular. And, and I know the people in New York love him, uh, and they should. Like I say, I, I love the man, and, and I was glad I got the opportunity to play with him. He, he, was, he was a lot of fun. What was Hollywood Studio 54? Like, was it Studio 69? Like, what was it? What was the, what was the pl- place to go out there? Like, where did you go, Ron? The best place was the Forum Club after the game. He's shaking his head, nodding. <laughs> you know, you got a couple Forum Club memories. <laughs> yeah. Didn't have to go far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Everybody was funny, like, we were the only kind of team in the league that had uh, a bar in, in the rink we played at. And after the games, the opposing teams, they'd be going off the ice fast they can to get upstairs. It was unbelievable. Yeah, Bernie, wasn't it fun, though? When Gretz showed up, we had all these celebrities come through the dressing room after the game. No, we had, we had a ton. Yeah, because you've become friendly with Tom Hanks, so did I. Jack um, Nicholson, yeah. Sylvester Stallone. I remember Sylvester. Stallone was Kirk Russell and yeah. Goldie. Yeah. Were there. Kirk was at all the games. Goalie was at all the games. John Candy traveled with him. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. We, we had them all. Yeah, I can remember um, Sylvester Stallone. And we had a tiny little dressing room back then. Yeah, we'd walk around. Our, our dressing room was tiny. And you'd walk around. You'd have a shower, a little towel around you. And, uh, you know, it, it was just kind of comfortable. But Sylvester came up to me because back then I wasn't scoring goals. But I liked to think I was working hard. He came up to me. He says, Ron, you know, he says, uh, I appreciate your, your effort on the ice. And he walked away. And I'm like, wow. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said that's to me. So cool. Yeah, because he kind of knew what to say because he knew I wasn't scoring. Uh, I was a goal scorer at one time, but I was still performing on the ice. You know, you still have to be noticeable. Be noticeable on the ice, one way or the other. Well, Bernie, I appreciate the kind words. It's always fun hanging out with you. I enjoy playing with you on the ice. And uh, it's, I'm going to see you this coming week in Vegas. I look forward to your event. So good talking with you. Thanks, Ron. And thanks for having me, guys. Number 10, right wing, Ron Duguay. 
I belong here. The way I dressed was different. I had the big 80s hair, and I probably became more popular a few years ago with doing television than I was as a player. Walked the streets, and people recognized me. All right, all right, all right. It's everyone's favorite part of the show. It's Ron Remembers, where Ron Duguay tells a story from his past. Now, Bernie Nichols just told us about L.A. and Hollywood Dukes and how celebrities would come up to the Forum Club and be right there. Take us through those stories. You mentioned John Candy. I know you, a little Jack Nicholson came up. I know you got a good Jack Nicholson story for us. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, they weren't there to see me. It was When Gretz came to L.A., all of a sudden it was Celebrity Row. They were sitting by the glass or they're sitting behind us, and a lot of them would end up in the dressing room afterwards. And so I got to meet John Candy, and, and I can remember meeting John. You look at him, and he had that big smile on his face, and we got to talk a little bit, fellow Canadian and uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Tom Hanks would come in. He would um, occasionally bring his wife, not in the dressing room. And um, But the guy that was most interesting had to be Jack Nicholson, right? <laughs> he was the coolest. And so I went to a couple parties where he was there. And the one party I remember, I was in um, – I ended up in Aspen. John McEnroe took me there where we did a um, celebrity tennis event. And we all ended up at Jimmy Buffett's house. And for whatever reason – and this might be surprising to you, but I'm in the kitchen, right? And I'm there with the wives, Jimmy Buffett's wife. That, that and part's yeah. not surprising to me. <laughs> and they wanted to play some card game. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll hang out here with you. So I'm kind of sitting there playing, having fun. And there was a door that closed. There was a barrier between the kitchen and the living room. And it was a door. It was a swinging door. And out of nowhere, the door opens quietly, squeaky. It's Jack Nicholson with his shades on. He says... Here's Johnny. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. And to this day, I remember that. And uh, so, yeah, I've had the pleasure of meeting a lot of different celebrities. All, Not all Ranger fans. They just wanted to go to the game because they, it, was a, it, was, it was the thing to do back then. So thank you, Gretz. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice That's a wrap for episode 12 on Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making it happen every week. Subscribe to the show, rate us five stars, and write a nice review wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at RonDugate10. Thanks for joining us this week. Talk to you all next Thursday.